Blow winds and crack your cheeks. Rage, blow. Oh, sorry, you caught me in the middle of auditioning. Um, anyway, uh, thanks to our patrons, Hedwig and Carlo, for supporting our lovely podcast, which is fine and not just a stopgap for me while my theater career takes off. <clears throat> anyway, um, have a probably bad day. Hello, welcome to the Probably Bad Podcast, a podcast which is definitely bad. I'm Pencil. I'm Paper. Today's Probably Bad RPG idea is D&D, but you play the treasure. I mean, it's good for if you're too tired to do a proper game. I roll to not move. You succeed, and then see, you have a little nap. See, the reason I picked this one out is... So I was on an Unlimited Realms stream yesterday, mm-hmm. um, and I was playing basically a personification of a dragon's horde who was very cross that the dragon had been killed, and I just think that that's a great character. And I, mean, I was very pleased with it. Yeah. I mean, there are games which are um, where you do play an animate object. Well, sentience and animate objects. I don't think anyone's yet made a game where you just play a rock, but I'm sure it's going to be hitting the indie stores like any time now. I guess the question is... If you if you interpret it more as literally playing objects, mm. what is the goal of treasure? Like, what does it want out of life? That's good. Like, I feel treasure is torn between the two conflicting goals of wanting to be used to buy things and wanting to be hoarded. It simultaneously wants someone to take it and use it, and it wants to sit in a vault forever. And all treasure is torn in a deep existential like conflict between these two conflicting but extremely strong desires to define its existence. That sounds difficult. Like it wants friends, but it wants to be useful. Yeah. Um, which means what the treasure needs to do is it needs to get taken, but it also needs to make sure that all its treasure friends get taken. Like that's how it gets around it. Mm-hmm. Like, if someone steals a part of the horde, then it has failed. But if someone steals the entire horde, then it's still being hoarded. But it's also being used. So it needs, it wants to be a mobile horde. Yeah. Which means, as the treasure, what you need to do is you need to help the adventurers... And you need to sabotage the dragon without the dragon realizing that the horde is plotting against it. And also, you can't do much to sabotage it because your money. Yeah, I feel like. I guess the main thing you could do to sabotage would be like falling at an inopportune moment. I feel like, so you know you have some GMs who, you know, are probably better off writing a book than GMing. Oh, yeah. I think I think we've got the ideal game for them to run. <laughs> and you just sit there and describe people fighting a dragon. And every so often the player raises a hand and like, can, can I fall over slightly? And you're like, okay, sure. And then you go back to narrating your story. 
I mean, I'll admit the idea of a story told from the perspective of an inanimate object does intrigue me. Mm. Yeah, this I is the idea. That's a Simpsons episode because everything's a Simpsons episode. Yeah, this is a Simpsons episode. Doe, don't have a cowman, etc. I think, like, so I feel we need something more than the ideal RPG for GMs who don't like players. What if we allow the magic items a little bit of sentience and movement? Hmm. Yeah, like, if they can if they can move around a little bit. Maybe if they can only move when people aren't looking. Oh, we Toy Story this. Yeah. Like, what a dragon doesn't know is that because of its love for its horde, it's given it life and sentience. Uh, this does imply the dragon is playing with its horde, but that's adorable, so I'm sticking with it. Um, I mean, if you if you had a horde, would you not occasionally like pick up two candlesticks and play with them like dolls? Yeah, the the dragon has given each coin uh, a name and a backstory. That's a little known fact about dragons. Um, that's why they get so upset when you steal from their horde. It's not because oh, it's of like greed. An, it's like an empathy thing. Yeah, like dragons only feel empathy towards gold coins. That explains so much. Yeah. What they think they're doing is they're rescuing the gold coins from their human oppressors. And the gold coins agree. But... So all the gold coins have come to life because the dragon loves them very, very much. Mm -hmm. uh, but they want to go and be used to buy things. Uh, ironically, they don't love the they don't love the dragon very, very much. It's very sad. Um, so they need to, and they can only move when they're not being looked at. So they need to slowly sabotage things so the adventurer can kill the dragon and take all of the gold. This is quite sad from, from the dragon's perspective. It is, but also I'm just thinking about like different abilities that different items of treasure could have. Because hmm. in in these like treasure hoards, you always get you always get chalices. Hmm. You always get like big gold plates. You always get candlesticks. Yeah. And I just I feel like they should all have unique abilities. Yeah. I like, think... obviously, the thing that the plates do is roll around and make lots and lots of noise. Yeah, the candlesticks presumably have some kind of bias thing. Mm -hmm. uh, the coins, I feel the coins are, like, able to merge together. They're able to make, they're able to, like, combine into bigger things, like coin people. Like a, like a money mech. Yeah, like a money mech. Don't um, tell Elon Musk about our idea for a money mech. I feel mech. Elon Musk is already making a money mech. He's putting chips into your brain to patent your orgasm. Um, but back to coins. I'll patent your orgasm. <laughs> you maybe want me to patent your orgasm. Um, uh as as a thank you for listening to our podcast, feel free to take that incredible flirting line and you know use it yourself. As a thank you, we will not patent your specific orgasm. <laughs> anyway, moving on from what I feel might become a felony if we continue talking. Um, so the coins. 
Mm. Well, I think the artwork is like the charmer of the group. That makes like, sense. It can like it can talk to people. And you know, they turn around, there's just an artwork there and like, oh, it's a creepy dungeon. But you know, it can persuade them. Um what other things are there's swords usually. Yeah, weapons. The I mean sword... weapons it's kind of obvious. They they can do a fighting. Uh, I'd like to think the weapons have a life outside of that. Like the sword. Oh, I'm does... sorry. The sword does... <laughs> yeah, the sword does impressionist art is its thing. Because it's trying to move beyond its assigned role. And how do, how does that help? It doesn't, but do you want to be the one to tell a flying sword that it's not being helpful? Like, it might stab you. Fair point. I guess then you would have more artwork to do the persuading as yeah. well. Yeah, the sword does whatever the shit it likes, and no one can tell it, tell it to not do that because it's a sword. Mm-hmm. Um, the sword is actively unhelpful. Well, he can't uh, spend the sword, so it, it doesn't have the same desires as the rest of the horde. Counter-argument, if you go into a shop and pull a sword, you can often get things from the shop. Yeah, but they don't take the sword. Uh, it's just getting more stuff that's not spending anything. What I'm saying is... is swords are NFTs. True. This is a completely accurate statement. I will accept no clarification. I mean, have you ever funded a sword? Funge your sword. We're going back to the back to the terrible light. Feel free to take that line too, by the way, guys. <laughs> I apologize if I've seduced any of you with my um with my lines today. This is gonna be the episode that gets us our first animatic. <laughs> I think we're talking about treasure or something. Armor. Armor, yeah. that's the other one. I think armor protects all of the other items. Like, they just go in there and it closes and then, like, they're safe. And again, this doesn't really help much because no one's attacking the items generally. So what you're saying is I can't stereotype swords as being into fighting, but armor's really into protecting. Armor is uh, very stereotyped, yes. Unlike swords, armor um, just, just enjoys its social role. I mean, good for the armor, I guess. Hmm. You don't want to say, do a job you love and you'll never have to work a day in your life. That's why I'm unemployed. <laughs> Moods. <laughs> I mean, my job is to be like a sword. We... I feel but like I pointedly refuse to do very it. obvious part of the treasure hoard, which is gems. True. I feel gems are magical, just because they tend to be, you know? Yeah. Hmm. Um, so they, they have li- little cantrips that they can do. Yeah. Is, and you like, have I, to... I just feel like because they are so small, they don't have room for a lot of magic, so they can just, like, you have one gem that mm. can do, like, acid splash and one gem that mm. can do friends and things. Yeah. One gem that can do summon gem that can do summon gem. It's just, it's really shit, Infinity Stones. Hmm. What it is, is you're really shit Infinity Stones, but you have to convince the, um, 
I do like the idea of you play a really shitty magical artifact, but you've got to convince your wielder that you're an item of incredible power. Oh, I like that. Like, otherwise they will just throw you away. So you've got to convince them with your ability to mildly levitate plant life that you are an incredibly powerful item. I enjoy this. It's like psych for magic items. Mm. Like I have one ability. I'm going to use it to convince you I have a, a better ability. Yeah. The alternative is you play um, an incredibly powerful mystic sword that's just sick of its destiny. So you're trying to convince your world that you're shit. I don't know why I am like trying to help swords break out of their stereotypes so much. No, I like it. They need to be free. Sentient items are people too. Um, but, but only swords. Yeah, I do like the idea of a sword. This is like, I've spent 500 years slaying orcs. I just, I, I want to see what it's like to be a centerpiece for a while. Hmm. I finally want to live out my dream of being the world's most terrifying accountant. <laughs> Manage your budget or I will decapitate you. I mean, it would motivate me. Hmm. Yeah. I, I enjoy being capitated. I, I support this um, sword attempt to just force people to stop spending all their money on candles. But again, we have we have a magic item going against the desires of the rest of the magic items because we've established mm. they want to be spent. Yeah. I mean, maybe it's you need to persuade the rest of magical items that they want to be spent, but they want to be spent like... Um, they want to be spent productively. Because, you know, you don't want to be wasted as a coin. The sword cannot be spent. And that is its villain origin story. Yeah. Where it goes around getting all of the other money spent. As it's... as a like Ah, I got you. This is how capitalism came to pass. It is. It was just one sword named Henry yeah. Ford. What not many people know is that Adam Smith was in fact a sentient magic sword. Well, they didn't have photos then. They had to rely on just what people said he looked like. Yeah. Like, there are paintings of him, but, you know... They definitely did have photos, but, you know... He chopped them all up because he was a sword. <laughs> a sword. <laughs> but yes, so, there you go. Capitalism was invented by a magical sentient sword. Um, prove me wrong without searching the name of the history of capitalism. Um, um, yeah. Speaking of money, we have a Patreon, patreon.com slash probablybadrpgideas. If you'd if you like want. to appease the magic sword. Yeah, the magic sword that is waiting for us if we don't get a certain number of patrons. Um, in, in exchange, we will, we will fund you things like bonus episodes and homebrew. I definitely know what fungible means. We will fund your homebrew right off. We do have a Patreon goal at the moment, actually, which is not just not getting decapitated by a magic sword. Um, 
when we get to 50 patrons, our editor is going to post a YouTube poop of the first D&D movie. But before that, questions. Hi, I'm Hazel and I present the Bread and Thread podcast with Liz, also known as Paper from Probably Bad. Um, Bread and Thread is a podcast about food history and domestic history and generally social history. We delve into a lot of different things. So if you'd like to know which country has laws against importing sheep, what cookbook will tell you how to make a great martini and also how to survive a nuclear bomb attack, uh, or why you are using a fork right now, then come over to Bread and Thread and give us a listen. You can find us on Spotify or wherever else podcasts are. I don't know. Our first question is anonymous. How do you make up magic items on the fly? I mean, personally, I just kind of go noun of spell, mm. like sword of vampiric touch. Now you have a cool sword. Yeah, I tend to just be like, what would a cool thing, what would a cool and useful thing be for something to do? And what would do it? Mm. Um, the alternative, look around your room or where you are right now, look at a thing and imagine what power it would have. So basically so for example, what we spent the last 10 minutes doing. Yeah, so for example, I currently am looking at a laptop and it would have the power to connect to the internet. This was a shit magical item and a terrible example. I'm sorry. I, I am looking at a bottle of hand sanitizer. I feel like it would maybe have some sort of um, a, attacking the undead or removing area effects. Mm. I mean, undead are just like, you know, the ultimate infection. Well, yeah, that's that's why you can't let them bite you. I feel like it would either have that or it would have, like, super healing. So, like, it doesn't just sterilise a wound, it removes the wound. Oh, I like that. Or it, you know, kills metaphoric... Like, you put it on your hand and not only do you no longer have an infection, you're no longer, like, held back by your envy of others kind of thing. Like... It resolves your spiritual sicknesses. Okay, I my brain went in a different direction. I thought you were suggesting hand sanitizer of brainwashing. Um, I mean, you know, one could argue it's the same thing from two different perspectives. What is deprogramming if not beneficial brainwashing? Yeah, you put it into you. You put on the um, hand sanitizer, and now you're worthy to go to heaven. Um, even even if your pastor said the wrong words. Um. <laughs> Uh, I feel what are items? There's a stuffed penguin. I feel that would shoot ice beams at people. Oh, definitely. But specifically, you squeeze it and it makes a little penguin noise and does it? Because why shouldn't it be adorable? Yeah. So basically, to create magical items, just look at things. There is also the option, of course, that they didn't mean in an RPG context. Oh, yes. Uh, if you want to make magical items in an uh, actual sense, uh, subscribe to our Patreon at top at top level, and we'll send you some mystical rights. I can't guarantee their work, but 
what you have to lose. To create a magic item on the fly, first you must contain the fly so it does not fly away with your magical item. The main issue with it is that flies are really small. Um, so you'll probably need tweezers and a magnifying glass. And yeah, also you the sort create very small magical items. Yeah, like the a issue with the grain of rice. The sword you make is going to be not very useful at fighting people. Unless you enchant it to be really good at fighting people despite being tiny. Which would be amazing. You're just holding like, like people don't even know you're holding a sword. You walk up to them and boom, they're cut in half. So what, what I'm picturing now is one of those little plastic cocktail swords. But when you swing it, there's like a whip cracking sound. And whatever's in front of you gets sliced in half. Actually, that sounds amazing. Magic item. There you go, we made a magic item on the fly. You can also enchant, like, nanobots, if you want to combine sci-fi and fantasy. Mmm. Because uh, nanobots are basically sci-fi magic anyway, like... That is true. You can just do whatever you like, say, oh yeah, um, it's nanobots. So you might as well make them little wizards, too. Oh, I thought you meant, like, using the nanobots to make the magic items. No, I'm making the nanobots magic. Because they're on the fly, so, like, you know. Yeah. Flies and nanobots are roughly the same size, right? I'm not a scientist. But you could you could coat something in nanobots. Or to in To give flies. the appearance of it being a magical item. Yeah. Did you say, or in flies? Yes. I guess this it would make things hover. This is my magic item. It's a chair I've superglued a thousand flies to. Its power is it banishes people from the room when I show them my chair. That's horrific. <laughs> Abracadabra, motherfuckers. <laughs> I like how you were getting into like a legitimate Clark. Clark's law, um, any sufficiently advanced technology figure. I was just here's my glue and sad insects. I'm like the world's worst druid. I was I was wondering where you would get all of the insects, but then I remember D and D does have that one staff that can summon a swarm of insects, so you're good. I have I mean, my not staff. Not mind good, but you know what I mean. I have my staff of summon insects and my staff of summon glue, and I finally got a use for these two magic items. You just duct tape the duct tape the two staffs together and point it at someone. All I need now is. <laughs> I've got a, a great duct tape. I feel like you know a spell that covers someone in glue and flies isn't the most high damage spell, but it probably is going to be one of the least pleasant things you can do to someone. It's like a more horrific version of tarring and feathering. Yeah, like less painful, but more horrific. More like existentially horrific, I think. Hmm. Yeah. Especially if the flies all work together and then fly you away afterwards. Which flies can famously do. How many flies would you need to lift someone up? Do I, do I have to Google the carrying capacity of a fly? So, suppose I don't have a fly spell, but what I do have is a staff of summon insects and a load of glue. You, you don't have a fly spell, but you have a flies spell. Yeah. 
Um, you would need approximately um, double your body weight in flies. Okay. I mean, I don't weigh very much, so this should be easy. So now I need to find out how much a fly weighs, and we can do some maths. <laughs> Not a lot is the answer. No, they are famously quite tiny. About a hundredth of an ounce. Okay, I do weigh slightly more than an ounce. So for every ounce that you weigh, you would need about 200 flies. Okay. I mean, I can't weigh that many ounces. I'd say probably 600 flies should do it. You're, you're claiming that you weigh three ounces. I mean, you know, I mostly do metric rather than imperial, so I'm just guesstimating. That's fair. The conversion is tricky. Mm. Um... Since we're suitably horrified, shall we move on to the other question? Okay, our other question is also anonymous. I really love sci-fi and fantasy games. How do I move away from that and still have an interesting game? Uh, have you considered horror specifically relating to being super glued and covered in flies? I guess, like... Like, if you wanted to do it without your players knowing... That could be quite fun. Hmm. Like you introduce this big sprawling fantasy setting and then you're like, okay, now you need to do your taxes. <laughs> yeah, set in a fantasy world but pointedly refuse to incorporate any fantasy elements. There's a dragon over there, but you're robbing this bank with your normal weapons. Hmm. I like the oh. idea... Star Trek holodeck episode. Actually, that's a fair point. I was thinking like Star Wars, like sci-fi, but you crash landed on a planet, so it's not so much. So there isn't really any of the sci-fi elements. You've maybe got some what tech you can scavenge from the crash, but otherwise you're sort of on your own. That would be a really good way to start a Numenera game. Yeah, you've just crash landed on this planet that used to be. In well, like you you wake up like having been put in cryogenic freezing for a very, 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 very long time. And then you go out and it's like, oh, no, everyone's forgotten about how cool my super tech was. This is the one thing I'm sad about, apparently. I've been you thrown land free. land on a planet and then slowly turn into a lizard. That's no, that's Star mm. Trek. <laughs> Everything's been done by Star Trek. It's like the Simpsons of Star Trek. Um, Star Trek is the Simpsons of Star Trek Yes I mean I do feel like you could take Like mm. Obviously the lizard thing was a joke But you could take inspiration from Star Trek Because they do have a lot of like mm. Very sort of Kitchen sink type drama Just on a spaceship Yeah like I feel like Yeah so there are two sort of ways One way is to go into sort of The more mundane aspects of these kind of things I do like you're on a start USS Enterprise-esque ship, but you're not the sort of away team dealing with things. You're sort of doing the everyday politics of the ship. Um, 
Which is also a thing Star Trek has done because that's lower decks. We yes, need to move is. away from Star Trek. The other option is, of course, to play one of the other genres people make RPGs of, by which I mean rip-offs of the world of darkness. Um, and occasionally the world of darkness. I mean, World of Darkness is still fantasy, it's just low fantasy. Yeah, it's more urban fantasy. But there's not a lot of properly horror games. There's also not a lot of properly mundane games. I think the problem is, like, when when you're doing an RPG, you inherently want some element of escapism. And it's hard to get that from just, like, normal problems. Yeah. Maybe some sort of, like, House of Cards type game? Yeah, that's what I was thinking, wealth or politics or something. You all play the 1% and you're competing to destroy the planet and pay to people's orgasms. Um, Competing to destroy the planet? Yes, and and pay to people's orgasms. Uh, Your character classes are Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk, uh, other guys. Those are the two billionaires I know. But I'm sure there's what more. What about a game where you're trying to save the planet by taking down the billionaires? Um, I guess that's possible, but unfortunately, we are presenting on Amazon. We are like being put on Amazon, so we do have to pro billionaires destroying the planet. If they didn't take us down for calling <sighs> Jeff Bezos the BBEG of the world, I think we're good. Okay, so here's how you punch Jeff Bezos. You use your fists. But I feel like some kind of revolutionary game might work. Because, mm. I mean, there's various, like, allegorical revolutionary games. Yeah. But there's not really a lot of games which are just straight up, you are revolting against the 1%. I guess there is also the option of going historical with it if you don't want... Yeah. Like, if you don't want it to just be... The world sucks. Let's pretend we have the ability to fix it. You could do like, it's the French Revolution. Go, hint, go hint. To people. And you know, if people want to carry that through into their everyday lives, that's not your responsibility. You're gonna get called murder fetishists again. To be fair, that was specifically you. Like you know, it's not just me anymore. <laughs> we'll both be murder fetishes now. Ultimately, for a more mundane game, role play like pick one of your players and just role play their life. Like they play themselves, and everyone else plays like their loved ones or bosses or what have you. Um, don't tell the player in question ahead of time, and see how they respond. So you're suggesting surprise therapy is what yes. it is. Yeah, you sit you sit down and you think you're about to play an orc and then you get handed a new character sheet and it's just you. And then everyone else starts role-playing the people you love telling them you that you're they're worried about you. This is... I think this is more horrific than the flies. I'm doing fine, guys. <laughs> All I want is for everyone to role-play my friends telling me they love me. Um... Anyway, RPGs. <laughs> oh dear. So yes, I like. There's definitely ways to do mundane RPGs. They've just not really been expanded on much. Yeah, I think. I guess the problem is, 
which is probably demonstrated by the start of, of this bit, is that it's easy to equate mundane with every day. Hmm. When really all mundane is is not sci-fi and fantasy. Really. Yeah, I mean, there's been a few kind of, you know, James Bond heist movie action RPGs. Um, What was it called? Guys, pause this while I try and remember what the show was called about the Phoebe people. It began with an I. A, a show about silly people. It's not called in. It's not called Inception because that's a different thing. Leverage. Leverage. That's it. Anyway, yes, edit all that out. Yeah, there was there was a Leverage RPG, and that was surprisingly good and well made. That does sound interesting because I haven't I haven't seen Leverage, but what I can tell, it's basically about scamming rich people. Yeah, you you are high. You, essentially, the main characters are. Thieves for hire, and if a rich person has screwed you over and you can't get back at them legally, then you can hire them to, like, get whatever they took from you back. Um, and it's, it's, like, it's a good heist game. And, like, there's been various other games like that. Um, there's been various attempts to make D&D into a modern-day heist um, game system, which... I think at that point you're just making a new system which doesn't work fundamentally d20 modern was a great idea but it's really hard to make a D character who doesn't have some kind of superpower like even if they don't do magic they're gonna be able to survive getting a knife through, like a spear through the chest, and a throw something through a building, like you know. Yeah. Any- so I think I think the conclusion of this is either avoid Star Trek or copy Star Trek or do the French Revolution. These are mm. your three options. Yes, those are the three settings: a Star Trek, not Star Trek, and the French Revolution. Which, as we all know, is half Star Trek. Hmm. Uh, if if the French Revolution goes on long enough, it becomes Star Trek. I mean, I guess the French Revolution happened and eventually Star Trek happened. Exactly. We cannot prove that Star Trek would still have happened without the French Revolution. Yeah, um... So here's my idea for a setting, is the multiverse, but the only differences between universes are whether the French Revolution happened, and the only differences between R2022 and French Revolution 2022 is whether Star Trek is a thing. That would be wild. Just like briefly putting on my history hat, French Revolution had a lot of ramifications, which may well have partly led to the general utopian vision of Star Trek. Hmm. And also, possibly the development of modern capitalism. But uh, I can't rather than believe... going into that, we should probably maybe end the episode. I can't believe the French Revolution didn't have any ramifications other than inspiring someone to make Star Trek. <laughs> um, but yeah, for ending the episode, we mentioned the Patreon. Um, Patreon.com slash probably bad RPG ideas. Um, if you have a question, you can message Bad Probably on Twitter, Probably Bad RPG Ideas on Tumblr, 
or email proudlybadpodcast at gmail.com. Um, I'm going to put a link to the stream that I was in in the episode description because it was fun and is made by some fun people. And remember and to have a probably, have a probably bad day. Bad day.